This is More to Say with Randy Naughton. Interesting conversations with interesting people. And we welcome you back in to More to Say with Randy Naughton. Uh, it's my new podcast, and I am thrilled to have not only one of the people who was uh, one of my favorite guests when I worked on television, but might be one of my favorite people in this whole wide world. We welcome Dr. Ian Smith. Look at that face. You know him. You've seen him everywhere. Dr. Ian, how are you doing? Randy, I'm doing great. It's great to see you. And, uh, you know, I was telling my wife, she said, well, whose podcast are you doing? I said, uh, I am doing a podcast of a friend who for all these years, every time I texted her or emailed her and said, I'd like to come on the show and promote my book without hesitation, without fail, she booked me. And um, I can't tell you how much that has meant to me over the years uh, because you've always stepped up for me. And so I appreciate you. And I'm very happy to be one of your early guests on your podcast. Well, the funny thing is, for selfish reasons, our phones went crazy. The email went crazy. Our social media went crazy at the TV station. People love you. They relate to you. You have literally changed so many lives over the years. And that's why we're like, uh, yeah, Dr. Ian's money. And I do have <laughs> to tell a story. What is it about two months ago, maybe a month and a half ago, I get a text message from Dr. Ian. Hey, Randy, are you the one that's going to be interviewing me on TV? I said, uh, Doc, I retired last year. You had no idea. Why would you, right? I was so, you know, I have, you know, my career in TV, I, you know, in the old days, I'd go on TV as a medical correspondent for different places. But now I'm in my advanced stage of my career. So I really only go on if I have something that I've created to talk about. And so one of the beauties of doing this for so long, Randy, is that I travel the world. I travel the country. And I have friends in every market that I go to who have interviewed me over and over and over again. And you are one of those who has interviewed me for 15 years or more. And so I always assume that my friends are going to be in place. And I, I'm excited to do an interview, not just to right. talk about my, my books, but just to actually see you and talk to you again. And so, yes, I didn't know. And I was like, what? Selfishly, yeah. I'm like, what? How could you leave? Well, the thing is, it's like, it's not, I didn't have a contract dispute. I didn't dislike my job. I will say not getting up at one thirty or two in the morning has its benefits. Um, you know, I'm starting to try to get, I, I'm trying this pickleball thing, which I'll be talking about on another podcast. I'm trying to, trying to figure it out, but here I am sitting on a podcast, which tells you something. I'm not retired. I can't yeah. be. It's just yeah. not in my nature. It's kind of like you. Yeah. Well, you know, and I also, even though I'm selfish about not wanting my friends, someone else retired too recently who I go to often, but while I selfishly want you all always to be in your chair so I can come and see you and talk to you and I feel comfortable with you. The other part of it is that, you know, that I'm a big traveler. My family travels mm -hmm. a lot and there's a lot to do. And so I'm excited that you have so much other stuff that you're going to be doing now. And um, it's a brand new chapter. Well, that's the thing. My sister, who travels a lot, told me something which I believe is true. The best education is traveling, is moving around, looking at different cultures, going to different countries. And you've literally been all over the world. When I visited you in Chicago, maybe a couple of years ago with my daughter, uh, you mentioned about you went on this amazing trip to Africa. And you told me about the great shopping you did, too, which I was very interested in. Where have you been traveling now? So, um, 
Um, let me go to your first point, which is really critical. And I talk about this a lot. People know me, obviously, for health and fitness and my mystery books, but I'm a global citizen and I really take that seriously. Um, I travel a lot. I respect other cultures. I believe that we as Americans, and I love my country. I think we have the greatest country. I love our people. I think that we would have less strife in our country and less strife in the world if more Americans got a chance to leave the country and go see other countries and other cultures um, and mix with people and learn. My kids have been traveling since they were babies. And I've always told my kids when we're in China or Japan or Africa or Paris, I say, look up at the sky, look at that sun or at night, look at those stars. I said, you don't own the sun. You don't own the moon or the stars. There are people in this village and this city and this countryside who think it's theirs also. We share it. You know, these are all we share the world with other people. And I think teaching them that has really allowed them to be very open minded and very and very receptive to other people. And so um, we continue to travel. We do we do Africa actually every other year. We was mm -hmm. just in Africa this year. We went to uh, South Africa again and then we went to Zimbabwe. Um, we like to go on safari, as you know. And so. Uh, there's nothing more life changing than being out in the what they call the bush, the African bush, amongst lions and rhinos and giraffes and elephants that are free to roam. And you're sitting in your Jeep with your guide and your ranger just checking it out. It's just wonderful. That's that's one of my dream trips. I will say. So, by the way, if you need someone to be your valet and carry your baggage, <laughs> I will happily go along on your next trip with your family. I'll take care of everybody. I'll cook whatever you need me to do. So we want to talk about what you have been up to over your what, 15, 20 year career. I've written um, I've read you've written 17 health and wellness and diet books. 17. Am, am I right with that? 17. Um. I think it's 17. Yes. 17. And then of course you now have, uh, you are a novelist, the Blackbird Papers, the ancient nine, which I read, which was amazing. And the unspoken in 2020. And now you have a new one, the overnights. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yes. So I have five novels. I think I'm up to 24 books. I'm really not sure. Honestly, the number doesn't matter, <laughs> How but can you keep track? Yeah. The, I have five novels. The most recent one is the overnights, which is part of a series it's called the Ash Kane series, which is about a, a former Chicago police detective who's now a private investigator, a PI, and he solves cases in and around Chicago. This is the third installment. Uh, this series has been picked up uh, to become uh, a streaming show. Unfortunately, as you know, the writer's yeah. strike is happening. So we're on hold, but we Do are. We know who are you able to tell us who's going to be streaming it? So uh, right now it's BET plus. Okay. Uh, through um, through Am they have a uh, relationship with Amazon also. So um, right now that's where we are. But you know, Randy, you and I have been in the TV business on the news side for a long time. I got to yeah. tell you, the news business is very different than the Hollywood business, the entertainment business. Uh, the entertainment business is very fickle, uh, very changing and evolving. So you never know what's going to happen one month to the next. But right now it's in development. And the book you love, The Ancient Nine, which is oh. about my experiences. And the Harvard Secret Society, I was a member of one of Harvard Secret Societies when I was an undergrad. That book also has been optioned. And we have a great writer who actually was a uh, writer on, on uh, Ozark, on the series Ozark. Oh, yeah. Big show. So she's writing The Ancient Nine for TV. So we're, that's also in development. 
that is pretty incredible. So in the meantime, you've, like I said, with the shred diet and extreme fat smash diet and the take control diet and blast the sugar out, um, you have helped countless people. People I know that even in the station where I worked, um, when you came on, they'd go, oh, I want that book. And you literally have changed lives. Um, how many pounds would you say that you help people lose over the years? Millions, I'd guess. Well, I did this thing. First of all, I'm very blessed to have had the opportunity to go to good schools to get the knowledge that allows me to help people. I mean, I really like helping people. It's just, I'm just wired that way. Um, And so over the years, through my medical journalism and through my books, I've been able to reach people near and far. I did a challenge uh, back in 2007 called the 50 million pound challenge, where we were trying to get people to lose 50 million pounds. I would guess over the course of my career, I've probably probably over 100 million pounds people have lost either through my advice online, TV or my books or my blogs. Um, But I don't think about that. What I think about is one person at a time that I'm trying to help and them saying to me just last night, I was doing a Zoom session. For example, this is a great example. So my new book, my new diet book is called the Metflex Diet, Metflex Diet. And I have a Facebook group called Metflex Diet. You always engage with people on Facebook. I mean, people are like, oh, he's got his assistant answering. You engage with everybody. 100%. So last, we got 22,000 people in this group, Randy, doing this program, okay? And last night I did a Zoom session. On Labor Day, I did a Zoom session um, for the group because we're starting a new challenge. And people who are watching this, no matter when you watch it or hear it, you can join us. It's a rolling admission. It's free. Um, And so anyway, last night I'm talking to these people and from all over the world, they're all excited. And one lady puts into the chat, um, some, another member of our group had purchased the book for her because she didn't have the money at the time, which is one of my group. They're very helpful. And the woman has lost 23 pounds and four weeks. And she was thanking me and the person who bought the book. But for me, That is the fuel for me. That is what really gets my engine revving because when it changes people's lives and I hear about it, I just want to keep doing it more and more. That's amazing. So let's talk about the state of America health-wise, weight-wise. We know obesity has been deemed an epidemic. We know that. And obviously you're doing your part to try to help people combat it and battle it. Uh, with their food choices, with reading the labels, with cutting out the sugar, with doing this teeny bit of exercise every day, just start somewhere. Um, is America catching on? Wow, that's a wonderful question. Um, I think America is in kind of a stagnation period. Like most people know they need to eat better. They need to eat less red meat more fruits and vegetables, less sugar. They need to exercise more regularly. Everyone knows this. So it's not like there's new information, but I think that when COVID, you know, we're still coming out of COVID. We're not out of COVID, by the way. We're trying to get out of COVID in a way that it's kind of less debilitating. And I think that we're just stagnated. I mean, people are struggling um, in many ways. Uh, They're struggling financially. They're struggling socially, mental health physically, weight, uh, COVID. So I think there's a lot going on in America right now. But I would, as I said to my group last night, I would implore of you to think about self-care. 
we often think about all the other things, rent, car notes, school bills, but you have to take care of yourself first. And I think that where we are right now, you know, we're not moving well. People aren't, and I don't, people don't like the word exercise, but people are not moving well. Right. I was in a, we were doing back to school shopping yesterday. We're in a garage. And I said to my wife, why is there such a long line to get into this garage? We're at an outlet mall. What's happening? Come to find out, everyone's fighting for the spots that are closest to the door. door. Right, right. So, but if you went up two more levels, it was wide open. That to me is emblematic of where we are. Like people are just not moving. They, They don't want to exert energy. And in order to maintain health, or to achieve good health, Randy, you have to exert energy. That's the body is built to work. The body is built to move and being sedentary is not good for it. Well, that's one thing I did since I started, since I left the workplace, my husband got me an e-bike and I find myself, well, first of all, being outdoors is one of my things. And yeah, moving always. is one of my, got to move, got to, got to, you know, even if I'm like, oh, I'll go up and down the stairs. Well, I get a lot more steps that way or take the trash up to the curb or whatever. Let's walk to the mailbox because it's, it's in the post office. So and you I'm had always, dogs too. I, yeah. Did you just see my girl Macy just came to say hi? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, always, I walk them every day. Yes. Yes. And oh, uh, OPS, also something I did on a whim. I adopted a one-eyed mini horse. <laughs> What? (laughs) I was okay. My retirement trip to me was a trip to Finland with my sister and my daughter, who is an equestrian her whole life. Fantastic. She went to one of these terrible horse auctions here in Missouri. And she said, Mom, there's this little horsey and his eyes missing and it's infected and he's malnourished and the big horses are kicking him. And I said, I'm in Finland. Middle. I said, buy him. My husband didn't even know it. He's like, wait a minute, we have another horse. So he, I got him all the proper health, the nutrition, had surgery, uh, surgery to repair his eye and we gelded him. So now, and I named him Uno because he's got one eye. So, so this is what I'm doing with my, I'm like, what in the world am I doing? So I saved him and that's, I'm, that makes me happy. I saved him. Yes. I I did. I did want to ask you, you're talking about health and wellness, which of course is your forte. You are a physician and, and, you know, you hear these stories of people transforming, but then you also see the flip side. Um, And I'm going to take myself. I'm a woman of a certain age. I'm 61 years old now, um, post-menopausal. And have you ever thought about writing anything or addressing that particular genre? Because remember, you know, women of that age, we don't talk about that. It's the change. Shh, you don't talk about menopause, but it's becoming into the forefront now. And let me tell you, I play pickleball. I ride my bike. I walk my dogs. Woo, it's And I'm trying to eat healthy. It's hard. It's hard, it's hard to keep the weight off. And if I had to sit on TV in a tight dress every day, I don't think I'd like what I see. You know, <laughs> it's, it's hard at this age. Yeah, you know, it is. And um, I'm getting up there in age myself, actually. Uh, but this is what I'm, so I'm working on a new book for next year that is basically eating the food groups based on your age. So really, yes. So it's all, it's called eat your age. And the idea is I'm going to break down per so decade. Does that mean I'm life. allowed to have 61 donuts? <laughs> no, 
That's another way to look at it, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think no, of I that. I'm not, I'm not a fan of donuts. <laughs> um, but the idea is what should you be focusing on every decade of your life? What physical tests should you be doing every decade of your life? And what physical milestones should you be able to do? For example, how fast should you be able to walk a mile when you're 60 versus 70 versus 50? So this book is really about helping people as they age be able to eat the right foods, be able to prevent the illnesses that are most common during that decade of life, but also to be able to keep track and measure where you are. Are you are you able to do enough push-ups or sit-ups? Like there are markers that we all should be paying attention to that we're not. And if we knew what those markers were and we strive to reach them, I think just by default, people are going to be healthier. That is an incredible concept that I cannot wait. And I'm taking a rain check to get you back on here again to talk about it when that Eat Your Age book comes out. So that to yes. me is great. And I did want to ask you about this whole craze with the diabetes medicine and the Ozempic and you get a shot in your stomach and you lose all this weight and people are seeking out these drugs and these medications for an easy fix. That's what we like to do, right? An easy fix. Awful, awful. It is like this kind of stuff is the bane of my existence. There is no shortcut. If there was a shortcut that was affordable and effective and was long-term sustainable, I'd be the first one to say, hey, bring me on TV or podcast or radio. I want to talk about this. It, we don't have it. Ozempic and the other diabetic medications. Or whatever they are. Yeah, those those medications are for diabetics. It just happens that as a side effect, it can lead to weight loss. But here's the, here are a couple of things I want to say real fast. Number one, it's expensive. This is not an, a cheap alternative. It's expensive. Most people cannot afford these medications, number one. Number two, people who are not diabetic, who are doing this for weight loss, are now taking the inventory away from diabetics who really need it. So now there's, there's a, a shortage of these medications for diabetics. Number three, guess what happens when you stop taking these shots? You regain the weight. You gain the weight back. Yeah. So are you going to take these shots for the rest of your life? Which, by the way, there are side effects to these shots. There are side effects. Oh, yeah. Nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. There are all kinds of stuff that can happen. Are you going to take this? No. So once again, we have a popular trend that people are, you know, ravenous to use and try. And at the end of the day, it's not going to work. Yes, you're going to lose weight for the short term, but you can't live this way for the rest of your life. Uh, on diabetic medications and you're not di a diabetic. And we keep hearing about all these trends. There was, you know, the cabbage soup diet. There was the charcoal diet. Now it's this. And do you see another trend coming? I see people on TikTok trying all kinds of things. What is the next trend that you'd like to debunk? Well, let me tell you something. First of all, I have, <laughs> I've been doing weight loss since 1998, around there, 99. Um, and I want to tell you that the trends are nonstop. And I remember the trends from my mother when I was a kid. My mother's been on every diet you can imagine, by the way. She used to have a box full of all the diets. Um, 
Atkins. Um, there was a oh, guy, yeah. the, the Scarsdale diet. That's yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Remember that? Yes. Way back in the day. So she's had everything. And I'm saying that to say that these trends are going to be coming, I think, unfortunately, forever. And I think what people have to do is they have to be good common sense detectives about the promises of these things. Remember the beta HCG where you oh, take yeah. this shot, right? And you eat like 500 the drops. Calories. Yeah, I remember the drops. Yeah. Yes. And you take 500 calories. I mean, these things are nonstop. So I don't know what's coming next because my mind doesn't think about ways to shortcut weight loss and improved health. But I can guarantee you that in 2024, there'll be something new and Ozempic and the rest of these diabetic medications will be kind of yesteryear. It's just, it's kind of sad by the way, because I'll tell you why. So many people are being misled yeah. by these. I want to, I don't want, I don't want to call them snake oil, but, but they're being misled by these programs that have no scientific validity whatsoever. And so people are making a lot of money selling it to people and people who really want change in their life, who really want to improve. Unfortunately, they always get the short end of the stick. Yeah, that is unfortunate. I, I want to get back to, um, I want to get back to your writing. How, how often do you write? Do you write something every day, whether it's a journal or one of your books or one of your novels? Are you always on your laptop? So I did something for the first time. I can't remember the last time I did this. I took the whole summer off from writing. Like I literally. Was your brain no... going to explode? Well, <laughs> today, today is the first day I go back. And when I finish this, I'm going to go to my computer. I got everything ready. Uh, and so, but see, what I did was I wrote two books ahead in my mystery series. So I, I'm two books ahead. So I got two books in the can already. So I didn't have that kind of pressure. But when I'm writing, I write five or six days a week. Um, and I'm, but here's the key with me. Everyone writes differently. I was just at the, the mystery writers, uh, uh, voucher con is the big, it's like the comic con for mystery writers. So all the uh -huh. mystery writers in the country were out in San Diego last week. But I write differently. I write in my head first. So I imagine my books. I'm a very visual person. I write my book in my head for about two months. I'm thinking all the time about this and this. And, this. and then when I feel like I got where I'm going, then I sit down and I'm a very fast typist. Thanks to my high school typing class <laughs> that we had to take, by the way. Yes, Mrs. Capacity, thank you. I remember my teacher, Mrs. Capacity. But so I'm a fast typist. So when I sit to write, boom, I can write. And one day, 15 pages? No kidding. That's pretty yeah. incredible. Now, yeah. you talked about how some of these script or some of the novels and some of the books that you have, novels in particular in your mystery series, they are in treatment to be TV series or movies or now have, have, do you have in mind who you want to star in these? And would you ever be like the guy in a coffee shop or the acting doctor, because obviously you're comfortable in front of a camera. Would you want to do acting? I know that you've done some acting, but would you want to be involved like that in these? Well, number one, um, because I'm a visual writer, I see my books cinematically first. So yes, I always have an idea of who I'm basing the characters on and who could play those characters. So yes, I do have for the different uh, books, characters that I, uh, actors that I like. I would love to be an actor. Um, in my next career, uh, I think acting is fun. I've done a little acting, taking some classes. 
Um, I probably wouldn't act seriously in one of my um, adaptations because people will think that I just, you know, I'm doing it because it's me and it's mine. I'd like a little side character, though. I'd like to show up, like you said, I'd like to show up sitting at the end of a bar or on a golf course and saying something. Um, Also, my kids, honestly, are of the age where, and you've had this with your daughter, where as parents, we are corny, we're, you know, not funny, they're embarrassed by us. So my kids would probably go nuts if I said to them, guess what, guys, I'm becoming an actor. They would be like, dad, please stop, stop. Well, that's your job to embarrass them. That's the job of every parent. My daughter just turned 30 and I still do it to this day. And I will never, ever stop. Never stop. (laughs) All right. So you're back to work today. What does your work week look like? Okay. So um, wife's at work now. Kids are at school now. So I have the whole day to myself with my dogs. Um, And so what I typically do is I work out in the morning, early in the morning. I already worked out. I will answer some emails. Okay. Then I will block off probably like four hours straight with a little break of writing. And then that's my alone time. And then I'll do things like play at my cars, uh, run some errands. And then the kids are out of school, you know, be dad, go to practices, whatever it is. Um, and then I will try at some time tonight to squeeze another hour of writing in at some point. I always try to do doubles. I try to get another hour um, of writing and, and and watch some TV, watch some Netflix. I'll watch the U.S. Open. Uh, two of my favorite players are playing tonight, um, Tiafo and Ben Shelton. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, listen, Randy, I got to tell you something. I am very blessed. I have a great life. I've had a great career. I'm my own boss. And now you're your own boss, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I set my own schedule. And people don't, you know, when you are in the trenches like you've been for so long, even though you had a great job and it's wonderful, but you still are operating on someone else's schedule. Exactly. Um, right. And what they say, when you can take vacation, blah, blah, blah. Now your autonomy is amazing. Like you can do what you want when you want to do it. And I've been blessed for the last, what, 20 years to have that kind of career. And so it's just wonderful. Well, I'm still getting used to it. And I will say, I still get into my jammies at about 6 p.m., still thinking I have to be to sleep by 7. It's like, no, you're allowed to stay up past 9 p.m. I'm Believe it or not, it's it's this mindset that's been entrenched in my brain for more than two decades. And it, and it, and it's literally been over a year that I'm starting to get out of it. I'm going to, I'm going to end with this last thing because I saw something on Instagram. I think it was you and Hollywood correspondent, Kevin Frazier standing side by side and Kevin Frazier. I'll let you tell the story. What did he say? So Kevin Frazier and I have been <laughs> friends for a long time. He's on entertainment tonight, the biggest right. entertainment show in the country. And Everyone thinks that I'm him and he's me. Now, here's the crazy thing, Randy. I actually do have a twin brother. I have a real twin brother and it's not (laughs) Kevin Frazier. So once a year, we go to the National Association of Black Journalists Conference where all the black journalists get together. Right. And I said, hey, let's shoot a video and let people know that you're not me and I'm not you. So on my Instagram and people can follow it at Dr. Ian Smith, spell the doctor out. You'll see the video we shot together. And Kevin... Kevin says that people stop him all the time and call him Dr. Ian. And they stopped me and said, I know you from TV. I'm not that guy. 
that's hilarious. But you can see the resemblance, right? Yes. You oh, guys have the same hair, the same that's smile. A, you a, guys do look alike. Now, are yeah. you identical twins with your brother? Identical. Absolutely. Does he get that he's Kevin Frazier? Oh, well, he gets no. Well, he gets sometimes he gets more. You're Dr. Ian. You're Dr. Ian. Sometimes you have to show his license to let them know that he's not he's like, Dr. Ian. Oh, I got to yes. always hear about him, right? It, sibling can I tell you something? Can uh-huh. I tell you something? What a burden, honestly. Like, I really feel bad for him because nonstop people are thinking that he's Dr. Ian. And while he is a good sport about it, it it's got to be a nuisance all the time to be stopped. And like, you're the guy, the fitness health guy. He's like, no, no, no. So do people anyway. do people go up to him and ask him medical questions? All the time, nonstop, <laughs> nonstop. And and I've had friends who've seen him and he didn't know who they were. For example, one of my friends who's a CBS anchor, um, the Sunday show on CBS. Uh, and so she was on the subway in New York. She thought that was me on the subway. It was my brother. And she's looking at him and he's looking at her like, lady, I don't know you. And she thought I was being rude to her. Oh, and man. Because she thought it was me. And he finally, she finally went to him and said, Ian, what's your problem? He's like, I'm not Ian. I'm his brother. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. I, I cannot thank you enough for taking your time. Um, I Wait, I have one more question. Did you go see any good concerts over the summer? Did you hit up the Eras Tour, Beyonce? What'd you see? So I saw Beyonce, okay, at Soldier Field. Um, it was crazy and packed and... She was Beyonce. Right. But I have to tell you, I know I'm dating myself. The concert I was really excited I got to go to was the Earth, Wind & Fire and Lionel Richie concert. Oh, yes. I love Earth, Wind & Fire. I love Lionel Richie. And they played at the United Center. And I was dancing and singing. It was so good. Well, that's what oh it's all about, man. You sound like you had a great summer and your next book uh, coming out, Eat Your Age. I definitely want to talk to you about that when it comes out. And your latest novel, which is Over Your Shoulder, The Overnights, is uh, the next in the series of your mystery novels. So I can't believe how busy you are. And I can't thank you enough for taking time out to speak with us today. Um, I'm so happy you're one of my first guests. I'm going to be hitting you up again. How's that sound? Randy, thank you for all you've done for not just me, but for the city of, 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 of St. Louis. And um, I want you to know that I love you. Thank you so much. And you know what? You know I love you too. And I appreciate your time today. Dr. Okay. Ian, we will talk to you again soon. This has been More to Say with Randy Naughton. Interesting conversations with interesting people. Be sure to like or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.